0: I think that's it. So if you join me on the back of the bulletin or in your Bible, Colossians 2:12 and 1 Corinthians 16:13 through 14. Colossians 2:12 Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. 1 Corinthians 16:13 through 14 Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone that you've brought here safely. Thank you for the time of worship. I pray that you would bring your spirit here and fill each one of us with it, that we could be affected by your word and go and live lives that better reflect the love that you've shown us. Um, pray for Brian as he speaks that you bless him and just bless our whole day-to-day that it would be honoring to you. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen.
1: All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Just a couple other just really easy announcements. There are uh, Bibles in the back that um, help yourself to them if you would like one. If you don't have one, just grab one. There's a couple different types back there. One that I like, really simple, big letters, easy to read, take one. um, uh, We'd like to have those available to you all. And then there's also our community group books are back there, grab one of those. And uh, if you'd like one, and uh, for some reason you can't be a part of a community group, you're welcome to take one of those as well. So we want to encourage you to be uh, a part in that way as best you can. This morning's a little bit different um, because of uh, baptisms this morning, um, so slightly different morning. I'm glad you are here, and because of the ocean, um, we had to delay those. Uh, Brian Renner has uh, been an L.A. County lifeguard for many, many years, and uh, going off his recommendation that we would prefer that nobody gets hurt or dies, um, <laughs> we're, we're not going to do it this morning. And, and the ocean is uh, it's not cooperating this morning, so we'll just delay that for a couple weeks um, so but we, we still the, the people will still share their testimonies this morning so i'm I'm honest when I say this that it's really one of my favorite Sundays and we do this two or three times a year but to hear people share their testimony before um, before you all it's just it's an amazing time and so um, just if you think about it just say a prayer. For them, because it can be a hard thing to do to come up here and and share your story in front of people. But we think uh, we are thankful for their courage to do that. And so that will happen in just a little bit. Um, Before that, though, I thought I would just take a couple of minutes and talk about why we even do a men's retreat. So next Sunday, um, I'll be gone. And I don't know how many men have signed up, 20 or 30 or so men um, have signed up to go to Halama for three days next week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I do encourage you, if you haven't signed up, if you're a guy, to, to seriously think about that and, and hopefully maybe even persuade you as I talk about why we do it um, this morning. So what I, what I want to do is I just want to direct your attention. And by the way, I do get um, one of the questions that, that often happens when we have a men's retreat is the women want to know, like, what did you, you guys do? Yeah. What, did you just fish and surf the whole time? Or did you actually do anything or talk about anything? And so this morning, I, I, just, I thought what I'd do is for a few minutes give you an overview of uh, what we'll talk about, what we'll study, what we'll pray about. Um, so our hope is that we would create a culture here at our church where men will grow, where men will learn how God wants them to live. And masculinity is... Is a really interesting time right now, if we think about it, and, and we've talked about this before, as far as how young men are struggling. Um, the number of women that are um, going to college, going to grad school, is outpacing men. In fact, they um, there are more women now in the workforce than men, and there is a lot of confusion about masculinity, and so. Um, This morning, just briefly, I want to talk to you about why we would do a men's retreat. And the reason is so that we can learn as men how God wants us to live. That we can fulfill our God-given responsibilities as men in a way that's honoring to Him. And um, it's important for us to to think about this, that that none of us have this figured out. That sometimes we we put a, a hierarchy system that that these guys have it figured out, or because I'm a pastor of a church, I have it figured out. And I am in tremendous need of God's help. I am in tremendous need of other men in my life. And I've shared briefly before, but um, there was a, a many years of my life where I, I didn't have a dad. And um, my mom was a single mom for many years. And one of the things that I have memories of, though, very clear memories, is that my dad's Vietnam buddies, when, when the Vietnam War ended, my dad passed away just a short time after that. And my, my dad's Vietnam buddies would come over. And, and my mom was a single mom. She had my, my sister and myself. And my dad's Vietnam buddies would come over, take me to Dodger games, take me camping, and do things. And so here were guys, and, the, and this, is, this is kind of odd when we think back about this, but here were guys in their mid-20s, right, mid-20s, had come home from Vietnam, had seen a lot of just difficult things in Vietnam. And, and then they come home and they began to spend time with one of their friend's sons. And that was very meaningful. And you think about the, 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 the level of friendship that must, have had, that must have existed between my dad and some of his friends. <clears throat> the other thing that happened was that there were other guys, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old guys from our church that would come over and hang out with me and, and, and play catch with the football and baseball and all these kinds of things. And so my point is this, is that, that life is often very challenging. It's, it's brutally unfair. It doesn't always work out the way we want. But n- nothing, nothing in your past, I don't care if you've had an amazing dad, a great dad, or no dad, there are no excuses for not fulfilling our God-given responsibilities. And we cannot be men who want to blame others or blame our past for not fulfilling what God has called us to do. And so just what I want to show you this morning is, is in 1 Corinthians, I just want to look at one command, one exhortation that Paul gives us, and he says this. He says, act like men and be strong. And it's a unique phrase. The, um, it's a unique verb to act like men. And it's not in contrast towards women. It's not saying don't act effeminate. Act like a man, it's saying. Act like a man, not childish, not childlike. And we can see some of this context just a few chapters back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. It says to put away childish ways that we are to grow up. Um, if you have your Bible, just turn there really quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, and I'll read it. It says this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. I gave up childish ways. And what Paul is saying here is that the idea behind this verb is that you're, you're literally walking through a door, that you are transitioning from boyhood to a man. And so if we think about it for a second, it... What is it that makes a man? What is a a masculine man? Right? Well, one thing we know for sure, it's not it's not just that if a man has a penis, right? Because little little children, my little boys have penises. What is it that becomes a man? It's not it's not that. He says this put away step through, put away, abolish, wipe away, shut the door on childhood immaturity. Childlike immaturity. And he's very, Paul is very serious about this because the church at Corinth was going through a divisive time. There was lots of childlike behavior from men and women. And he says to them, it's time for you to grow up, to stop being self-centered. And, and he thinks about childlike behavior, it's this. It's self-centeredness. It's immediate gratification. It's that the world evolves around me. And he says to give that up. Walk through the door and become a man. And so then, if you turn back a couple pages to 1 Corinthians 16, the verse is this. The, The full context is this. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all you do be done in love. There's so much confusion about masculinity, and maybe the most, um, maybe the most graphic example. In this, um, this happened three years ago, and unfortunately, has happened recently. But here is a a very clear and distinct example of immaturity at its worst kind, at its most evil kind, and then masculinity in its protective nature, its sacrificial love. And this is, um, this is from uh, 2012. And this was in um, our first year at our men's retreat. We, we went through this book, Eric Metaxas, and he, and he mentions the story that I'm going to share in this book. But I'm going to share with you three names of men, of young men you've probably never heard of. One is a guy named John Blunk. Another guy is Rob Scott. And another guy is Alex Tevis, all in their mid-20s, and all three of these men put their bodies on top of their girlfriends while they were at the movie theater in Colorado in 2012 when a deranged man, the most evil, the most immature, violent young man, murdered many, many people. And what made some attention or what caught some news about this besides just the horrific violence of it was that these men, these three men, gave their lives for their girlfriends. The one woman, Jansen Young, the the man's girlfriend, said this, When the assault began, John Blunk um, pushed me aside and laid on top of me. She said, John took the bullet for me. He knew what was happening, so he threw me on the ground, former military man, and said, we have to get down, we have to stay down. And the man, man shot him. And the same thing that went on with these two other men, where the, their girlfriends were literally saved, their lives were saved, because of the courageous act they took and put their life to save theirs. So there are, in, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of uncertainty of what it means to be a man, there are pictures, there are examples in our world today. So Paul says this. He says that we are, conduct, we are to conduct ourselves with courage, that we are to be strong. To be masculine means to be courageous. And if we were to put this into one word, it's kind of an older word, we don't see it, here very much anymore, but the word would be fortitude. And again, please don't, please don't assume that I'm saying that women can't be strong. I, I know a long list of women that are tremendously strong. So I'm not comparing it to that. I'm comparing. I'm. I'm contrasting it with immature men. Fortitude is a combination of these words that say that mean courageous, that mean that have the idea of being masculine. Fortitude is the idea of courage in adversity, a resilience in life, its endurance, its enduring pain, the challenges of life with courage. Let me give you just two quick examples of this in the Old Testament that are really interesting. Number one is Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses six through eight. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 31, verses six through eight. And the context is this, is that Moses is transitioning away from leadership and lifting up Joshua as the new leader. And here's what he says. Moses says to Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 31, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. To be masculine is to be strong and courageous in doing what God has designed us to do. And one of the things we learn... Early on in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, is that God has created us to to work. That men are to be workers. And early on, before even sin enters the world, that Adam is called to cultivate and create and sustain the Garden of Eden. So we know that men function in our God-given role when we are men who work. But one of the things we learn from this passage, and this is things we don't talk about very often, is this is that that work is difficult, that work is hard, and it's designed, God made it this way, that it's so difficult that we fail, that men fail at their work. And one of the things that men struggle with often is failure. How do you, as a man, you are called to provide for your family, to be responsible. You are called to do that. How do you do that How do you survive as a man and be a failure at that? And here's the thing that's just so important. So life is challenging. Life is hard. We have responsibilities as men to provide, to love. But it's so difficult that we fail. And look, here's why, here's the the paradigm shift we have to do. Verse 7, going back to 31, says this. Then Moses summoned Joshua, calls Joshua, Moses, Joshua in front of, A huge group of people says this, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land, the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give to them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. The point is this, that life is so hard and so challenging that yes, you should feel like a failure, which drives you to God. That's the point. You cannot do it on your own. You will feel like a failure, and that is to push you to God. If you feel like you're just doing just great, independent of yourself, you don't need God, then this wouldn't be the case. So life is so challenging and hard for men, and this is, and for women, I'm not talking, so women's time, we'll talk about this another time, that's completely great, but what I'm saying is men have struggles, and how do you deal with failure? You have to go to God. God has to be there to support you. It's one of the most important things you have to understand, is that you cannot do it alone. Number one, you cannot do it alone. You have to rely and trust on God. Number two, this is fascinating, 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9, and the context of this is the context of brotherhood, that you cannot do it alone, just you and God, that you need other men too. This is David commissioning this guy named Job. And he says this, 2 Samuel chapter 10. Job and all the host of his mighty men and the Ammonites came out and drew up the battle at the entrance to the gate. And the Assyrians and Zoba and Rehob and the man of Tob and Mekah were by themselves in this open country. When Job saw the battle was set against him, both in front and in rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed against them. The rest of, the, of his men he put in charge with his brother and arraigned them against the Ammonites. And here's the key part. And he said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall be my help. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage. Let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of God. The call to be strong and courageous means that you're trusting and relying on God. The call to be a man, to be strong and courageous, is you have to know that you have to have friendships with other men. And one of the tendencies of men is to withdraw into isolation. There was a book, and this is before my time, I barely remember, it was my college years, the 1990s. I think it was maybe the number one seller of nonfiction hardbacks, if you want to categorize it that many ways. All right? I'll give you, uh, if you're my age or older, you'll remember the name. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus, I think, is the name of it. All right. And one of the identifying traits, is really interesting. He said, um, he said he began studying male and female gender differences in the 1980s. And he said he got lots of pushback. He felt like people were critical of him, that it was politically incorrect to identify differences between men and women. And it was really interesting that that's a controversial thing. It, <laughs> all you have to do is observe that we're different. Just, just observe. And I'll give you one really funny example. So I teach um, 14-year-old 8th grade boys and girls Bible. And, and sometimes, part of the year, I'll have them by gender. So I'll do a boys thing. And the boys are much more challenging. Eighth grade, girls Bible, they just want to sit and talk and they love to talk about their lives and what's going on. It's just an hour goes by and you're like, wow, that was fun. The boys, out of control. All right, and so here's my classroom management skills. So we, and I don't do this anymore, and I'll tell you why at the end, but we we came up with this game. We came up with this game and I don't I don't know who thought of the name, but we just call it the man game. All right, And so the man game was, we went out in the field, and there's a huge circle right in the middle of the field, and the object of the game was to push the other guys outside the circle. All right, So the rules were like no ga- eye gouging, no biting, no headlock. Other than that, do whatever you want. Just push the other man outside the circle. They could do it all day, every day. They just love pushing each other. They love wrestling each other. They don't want to talk about the Bible. They just want to do it. They just want to be violent with each other and just push. Every once in a while, a group of girls will will say, "Oh, that looks fun. We want to try." So one time, I tried it, and here's what happened: the girls are like, like pushing another girl. That's awkward. We don't know how to do it. Like I don't. It lasted for about a minute. Then they all sat down and started talking to each other again. So I'm I'm not. I'm just making the observation. We're just different. That's okay. We are very different people. Man, a unique area of weakness is this is to retreat and go hide in your little man cave by yourself and not deal with your problems it's who we are we want to avoid and what happens is we make one of two mistakes if you're not someone that avoids then you erupt in anger you're a domineering intimidating male who gets his way through being loud abrasive and the Bible offers a different alternative Paul says this, is that we are to do all that we do in love. That we are to be men who are strong and courageous, but to do everything we do in love. All right, and so the alternative, fearful, intimidated, lazy, self-centered, that's attractive, right ladies? (laughs) If you're single, you can't wait to marry that guy. Men's Retreat exists so we can build relationships with each other, so we can encourage each other, so we can strengthen each other to be masculine men who will act like men and do everything we do in love. And it begins in our homes. It begins by loving our wives and children sacrificially, by putting our own agendas to the side, by doing things you don't feel like doing. It's one of the biggest challenges in our lives We are to be the spiritual directors of our home, that we are to provide support, to create a nurturing environment where our children can grow and understand what it means to be a believer. It's a tremendous responsibility. And so that is why we do men's retreat. I'm going to pray, and then um, we're going to transition into some testimony. Father, I I do thank you for... um, the friendships we have here and I pray for um, all of the men in our church that you would come alongside of us that you would help us that through the power of your Holy Spirit that we would be able to take responsibility for the things you've given us we are also so thankful for all of the women and I pray that this would be a place where we see the equal value of both men and women that we would be insightful enough to know that we are all equal that we are all equal and made in your image and that we would not step into the game of who's more important or who's more valuable that we would be able to look at each other with respect and honor and sacrificially serve one another Father, we're thankful for what you're doing here. I pray that we would continue to put our trust, our hope, our love in you as we live out our days, as we walk the path of following your Son, Jesus. In your name, amen.